Welcome to AB3 Speaks with Monica Antakia, the podcast on academic business and branding, where we talk about planning, building, running, and growing a business as Black academic women who want to share their knowledge with the world. I'm Takia Nur Amin, academic success strategist, dance scholar, and lover of all things luxury. I'm Monica A. Coleman, professor, religious leader, and mom to an active growing kid. We have over 25 years combined experience of sharing our academic knowledge beyond the classroom, and we're telling you all the things we wish someone had told us. We will share our values-led ways of monetizing your advanced education in today's global marketplace and highlight Black academic women who are doing this with excellence and flair. So stay hydrated, make sure you have something to write on and write with, because class is in session. On the syllabus today is Funlayo E. Wood. We are so glad you are here with us, Funlayo E. Wood. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you both. Will you please just tell us um, who you are? How would you describe who you are and what you do? Yes, yes. So once again, thank you so much for having me. I am Iafunlayo, PhD, affectionately known as your favorite scholar priestess. And I am a scholar and priestess of the Ifa Arisha tradition, as well as African spirituality more broadly. And I'm also the founder of Ashe Ure University, which is an independent Africana Studies Institute, as well as the founding director of the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association, which is a scholarly association dedicated to the study of Africana religions. And just so people know, we will make sure we have links to all of that in the show notes so people can find you and your organizations. Absolutely. Can you tell us a bit about your educational journey or how you would describe your academic training? Well, my journey was a bit circuitous. Um, I actually started off when I first went to college. I went to FAMU. Shout out to all the Rattlers out there. Strike, strike and strike again. So um, I initially majored in broadcast journalism as an undergrad. Um, Ultimately, didn't like the, I guess I would say the energy or environment, you know, the broadcast world is is still very white, is still very um, normative in the sense of being corporate, you know, the suits and expecting your hair to be pressed and all of these different types of things. And while there has been some progress in that, certainly back in the 90s, when I first went to college, there was a lot of grooming towards that type of an appearance. And that wasn't really resonating with me. And so I ultimately uh, left that program, went into computer programming, um, which is something that I had always also been interested in. And so I got certified as a computer programmer. So doing things like C++ and COBOL and all those old, older computer languages. I worked as a programmer for some years. And then ultimately realized that I didn't want to spend my life in a cuticle, in a cubicle looking at code and um, decided to go back to school. And so I moved back to New York and uh, enrolled in CUNY, the City University of New York. And that's where I restarted my journey. So at that point, um, I went to Bronx Community College 
where I majored in psychology, graduated from there as a valedictorian, and went on to the CUNY um, BA for unique and interdisciplinary studies, which is a program that's run through the City University of New York, whereby essentially you can take classes at any of the CUNY institutions um, and create your own major. So at that point, I created the major of the African diaspora in the Americas. And um, that is what I got my undergrad in and went immediately into my master's right after that at the City College of New York, received my master's in history, and then immediately went into my PhD right after that um, at Harvard and majored in um, African and African-American studies and religion. And um, in between, actually, my graduation from undergrad and beginning my master's, um, I was initiated as a priestess. So I traveled to Nigeria and underwent initiation. And it was really um, undergoing my initiation that made me want to do a PhD because at that point I wasn't, um, I hadn't decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but once I became initiated, you know, I saw getting a PhD as really a way to study the tradition, as a way to be paid while I did that, and as a way to be able to travel and to learn more. And so um, that's what I did. So after I applied to the PhDs while I was doing my master's, after I came back from being initiated and uh, was blessed to, to land at Harvard and to be able to study Yoruba language there, to be able to travel to Nigeria, to do research, and um, all of the great things that I've been able to do since then. Thank you for sharing so much about your journey. I did not know that. And I it all makes sense. I could see how you put all those skills into practice. And I'd love to hear about what COBOL and Fortran, y'all remember? You got to be a certain Sorry, age. You got to be a certain age. You got to have a few gray hairs to know about those. Okay. And HTML, I was building websites back when you had to know code. There was no drag and drop. No, no drag and drop. That. There wasn't even any... Yeah, there was no Flash at that point. There was none of that. It was just pure HTML. It was like right when Flash and all those things were just coming into being. Um, GeoCities, right? I really date myself and take myself back um, and all of those um, kinds of things. And I have to say that I'm really so glad to have done that because um, it really enabled me when I stepped into this entrepreneurial side and into the entrepreneurial world to really be able to do everything myself. So all of my, I just now, maybe about two years ago, had someone else build a website for me for the first time, right? All of my previous websites, databases, all of those things I built and managed myself. And, you know, so having those skills has really been invaluable for me to be able to, um, you know, move forward in my businesses without having to overly rely on others to do that kind of work for me. And even while I was in undergrad um, at in Tallahassee at FAMU, I also had my own business as a graphic designer. So I did business cards and things. You know, I'm from Harlem, so we hustles, right? <laughs> so I've always had side hustles. I've always had ways to make money outside of whatever my nine to five was. And so that was something that I did then. I did letterhead. I did business cards and built databases for people and things like that. And so I was ultimately able to, you know, transfer those skills into using them for my own businesses. I love it. I'm so excited to hear about this because I think for our listeners, it's going to reaffirm that, that even if your journey takes multiple directions, 
that's not a bad thing or a wrong thing, right? And that often the various pathways we take lead us to the entrepreneurial um, endeavors and projects that we then birth into the world that sustain other people. I'm excited to have you here because I've benefited so much from your work already. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited for our listeners too, as well. So tell us about your business. Tell us about what you do. And then we'll move forward from there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I definitely want to reiterate um, everyone trusting their journey, right? Because I never could have, if you had asked me back in 2000 or back in 1999, when I was doing all of these different things and making these different decisions, you know, ask me where I would be right now, I couldn't have told you this is exactly where I was going to land, right? And so oftentimes, especially as a person of spirit, uh, as people of spirit, it's important to trust our processes, right? And trust our own intuition about which ways to move and which ways to go. And so at this point, um, you know, my business is is has a few different components to it. So on one level, I work as clergy, right? And so I host um, uh, weekly worship services in the Ifa Arisha tradition. I counsel the community in that way. I provide a lot of um, free materials to the community and community education on African spirituality. I feel that that's very important to do for a number of reasons. A, because as we know, African spirituality has really been maligned and denigrated in many ways in our cultural consciousness. And so it's very important for me to be an advocate for the tradition, um, for all of our traditions, and to be able to really um, speak to all of the positive contributions that Black folk have made both spiritually, intellectually, and in every other way um, in our society. So that's one very important component. And so that's sort of, you know, when I say I'm your favorite scholar priestess, that's the priestess side. And then on the scholar side, um, while I was a grad student back in 2012, I founded the African and Diasporic Religious Studies Association, Um, And I'm very proud that we have had conferences continually since 2012. We're now having our 11th conference, which is going to be back in person again for the first time since COVID. So I'm very excited for that. We're hosting at the University of North Carolina in April. And the whole um, purpose of that organization was really to provide a space for scholars of Africana religions to be able to talk to one another. Because many, what we saw as scholars of these traditions is that we often found ourselves either in these religious studies spaces that really didn't take African spirituality seriously or still treated African spirituality as though it belongs in anthropology as opposed to religious studies. That's been the place where it has been studied most often. Um, Or we found ourselves in African studies spaces where um, there's a lot more focus on politics and things of that nature and not so much focus on spirituality or religion. And so the ADRSA has had as its mission really bringing together scholars of Africana religions to be able to kind of discuss these things with one another without having to start from that baseline of zero, you know, assuming that our audience knows nothing, but really um, engaging with an audience that we know is already engaged with our traditions. And so those are the two primary arms of my business. Um, I also do 
um, individual spiritual counseling and business coaching. So that's something I'm really excited that you all are in this space. And that's something that I've been called to do that a lot of folk have been asking me about, particularly um, spiritual businesses. And so talking about, you know, a lot of the time we see spirituality as kind of being this, you know, sort of amorphous thing. And we don't really think of it from that business level of how do you really connect with an audience? Yes, you may have a great message, but if you don't have the branding, if you don't have the platforms to connect with your audience, if you don't have the ways to distribute the things that you're producing, um, they won't get the, the, the breath that they need in the world. They won't be able to move and affect people in the way that you want them to. And so um, that is something else that I've as well been doing. Interestingly, right before I really um, got Ashe Ray to where it is now. So Ashe Ray is the name of my temple and my community. Um, before I got it to where it was, I was actually moving more towards the sort of coaching space and not doing so much of the priestess work. And again, another pivot, you know, it was going fairly well, but it wasn't really catching on in the way that I really wanted it to. And it was only when I fully embraced my role as a priestess, right, as a community leader in that particular way, that everything began to coalesce and come together. And so, you know, I think one of the most important things in having a business in being um, an entrepreneur is really being responsive and seeing and understanding what's working, what's not working, not being so committed to whatever you think your vision is of what you're doing, that you're not able to pivot just the same way you all shared that you have pivoted slightly based on the feedback that you've gotten from your community, the feedback you've gotten from the folks who have been engaged with you. And so that's one of the most important things that we can do as entrepreneurs is really understand that we have to be responsive to those we're seeking to serve. And so that can be uh, a little bit of a frustration at times, but it, to me, that also provides a, a lot of freedom because we're able to kind of see, okay, this is what's working. This is what's not working. This is what people are asking for. We can pivot and give people a little bit more of what they're asking for and um, create a synergy that really works for us. You've talked about being someone who's always had a hustle, right? Who's always had, you know, a way to make things happen, whether that was your nine to five or not. And, you know, one thing we talk about here at AB3 Speaks is that we're not just selling something because we like to sell things, um, even if that's a quality that we have, but that we're sharing our knowledge, right, th with the world and that we are values led. And we would love to know uh, if you would share with us what values undergird your businesses, what values do you feel like you're leading with or that drive the work you're doing in the world? Mm, oh, what a beautiful question. What a beautiful question. Well, one of my primary values is community, right? And and understanding that as the verses of E5 tell us, one hand cannot clap, one leg cannot run far fast, one buttock cheek cannot sit comfortably, right? It might sit, but it's not going to sit comfortable. So we always have to be able to come together. And so that's always been a primary ethos of mine um, in everything that I do is bringing people together, um, having us understand that we need one another, um, kind of countering this narrative that 
that we receive in American society of the lone soldier or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or folks doing things alone because ain't nobody done nothing alone, no matter what they tell you, no matter what they think nobody's done anything alone. And so really um, reminding folks that we are in this together, that, you know, um, gathering as a community has always been important. And so even before I had these official spaces to do it, I've always been a person who loved to bring people together, who loved to introduce people to one another. So networking and connections are a huge, huge, huge part uh, of my ethos. I would say another big value is really just recognizing the inherent value of all people and of African descended people in particular. Um, you know, again, as I noted earlier, we have had our contributions to the world uh, downplayed in so many ways. And we have um, been taught that we have not contributed anything meaningful in the world in many ways. And so it has been a huge part of my ethos and everything that I do to um, show us our own values and show us our own um, creations and to give light to our philosophies in particular, because philosophy um, has really been a place where we have seen a lot of uh, African thought being left out. Even when we mention philosophy, our minds immediately go to Greece or perhaps to China, right? Those are sort of like the big places where we see as being like the birthplaces of philosophy. But Ifa is philosophy, right? Vodun is philosophy. Like every one of our traditions contains um, these aspects of philosophy that help to tell us about the human condition, help to train us how to live our lives in a better way. And so um, really improving, bringing those two things together and say improving the lives of people of African descent has always been, you know, a really big uh, part of my ethos and everything that I've done. Um, and also paying things forward, right? Anything that I learn, I always want to share with my people. I've never been one to want to hoard knowledge or say, okay, well, I know it and now I'm going to close the door so nobody else gets to know. I'm like, okay, I know this and now everybody needs to know. Let me find a way to, to give this to the most people, to spread this to the most people. Um, and then finally, you know, joy. You know, my name is Fulayo and Ayo means joy. And so, you know, I really believe in seeking to be happy in everything that we do and helping to, you know, provide platforms and avenues um, for people to have beautiful life experiences and to really experience joy and happiness, um, particularly through coming to know themselves. You know, it is a person who really knows themselves that is able to tap the deepest into their joy. And so those are some of the, the values and, and ethos that sort of uh, underpin my work. It's so exciting to hear you um, share so generously about your journey and your commitments that are embodied through your business. And as I listen to you, it's very clear to me that you could be doing a million different things. <laughs> there are so many directions that you could have gone into. And so I'm wondering if you feel, you know, do you think you chose your business or did your business choose you? You know, how did you or when did you ultimately decide to move into this current direction? When did you finally say, okay, I'm staking my claim. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think um, definitely that's a beautiful, y'all are asking such wonderful questions. I think that um, it was a little bit of both, certainly. I think there was a way in which 
So to back up just a little bit, my my mother, um, bless and star, Reverend Regina, she is um, a retired nurse and also professor. She was a nursing professor. And so um, I knew from experiencing life with her and kind of helping her with different things that she was doing as a professor, that teaching was always something that I loved to do. And I was that kid that always would, you know, I'd read my encyclopedias and I'd set up my dolls and have a little classroom and always want to teach and share. So that's always been a big part of of who I've been. And, And there's a degree to which I always knew that I would have some type of interface with academia because I knew that I loved to learn. I knew that I loved to share the things that I've learned. Um, and then, you know, talking about how it chose me, you know, this path that I'm on specifically right now, particularly um, after receiving my PhD and kind of deciding not to go the tenure track route, that chose me in the sense that um, the way that I really ended up on this path right now was at the beginning of the pandemic. I had a postdoc at the University of California, Santa Barbara at the Center for Black Studies Research. And um, the pandemic began just as my fellowship was ending. And so we all, all of us who had fellowships got this email um, at the beginning of the pandemic, which seemed to suggest that our contracts were going to be renewed for another year because they were unable to kind of interview other people and bring them in. And so, you know, I said, okay. And so that led me to kind of stop applying for jobs because, of course, as we know, a lot of the job searches were canceled and things like that. So I had applied for several jobs um, that I didn't really want. Let's be clear, right? I was like, "Mm, you know, like, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? It just kind of felt like, okay, I got the post, I did the PhD, I got the postdoc, now I'm supposed to get this tenure track job. And this is sort of like what you're supposed to do. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that's not really what I wanted to do. And so I, when I thought that my contract had been extended, I kind of stopped applying and didn't really think too much about the job searches that had been canceled. Well, as it turns out, we get another email, right, a couple of weeks later that says, apparently there was a misunderstanding and no contract are not being renewed, you know, for another year. So every, you know, your contracts are all ending just as we said they were and sorry for whatever misunderstanding there was. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, so now what do I do? Do I scramble to try to apply for what few jobs are actually doing their searches right now? Do I like, what do I do here? And it, so my um, ADRSA conference was due to happen in April. And as you know, everything shut down in March of 2020. The conference was supposed to be in April and it was going to be in person. And so at that point, I pivoted the conference from being in person to being online. And um, Baba John Mason, who's a, a prominent scholar in the IFA tradition, was the keynote speaker. And after he spoke, people said to me, and even before he spoke, people were always asking me, well, how can I take your classes? I want to take your classes. And of course, I was teaching at these various institutions where if people wanted to take my classes, they would have had to be a part of those particular institutions. And so after the conference, people said, you know, we really would love to take a class with Baba John. We really love to take a class with you. Like, how can we do this? How can we take a class with you? We really want to do this. And that was when the kind of light bulb went off and and it was like, listen, this is the moment. 
It's right now. And so this is the moment when you either try to force yourself into doing something you know you really don't want to do or do what I just said a little while ago, which is listen to what people are asking for and give it to them and know that you are able to give it to them. And so that is when in uh, June of 2020, I founded Ashe Ray University. And um, the first class that I offered was um, a course on the divine feminine with Baba John. And I began also to teach Yoruba language during that same first cycle of classes. And the response was just unbelievable. I mean, we had hundreds of people sign up for the classes. Um, we had over a hundred people who, you know, actually attended the classes. I mean, it was just the, the, the response was just more than I ever could have imagined. And so that was what really started me down this road of knowing like, okay, you can really do this. Right. I also started um, a membership platform at that. I will, the, my membership actually had started back in 2018. That's when I first um, developed a membership for Ashe Ray, where um, we would read a book together every month and I'd do a book lecture. So I was already sort of lightly on the path, but um, 2020 spring was really when it all got cemented and when it sort of chose me, so to speak, when everybody said, look, this is what we want from you. And I, I really took the gamble on myself to do it. And at the end of that fiscal year, when I saw that I had made more money working for me than I had ever made working for anybody else, that cemented it all. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. We, this is the path. This is where we, this is what we do it. This is where we go. Right. And, and that's what really gave me the courage to, to continue on the path, you know, and I don't, I don't talk about the financials too much, but I, I want to share this because I think it's really important, you know, we think, and and one of the biggest things that people would say to me when I said, I want to do this and I'm going to go this independent route. And, you know, people say these things because they care about you, but, you know, folk will speak fear into you and they say, oh, well, if you do that, well, how are you going to have insurance and how are you going to have security and how are you going to have this and how are you going to have that? And really the experience of the pandemic let us know there ain't no such thing as security. There were people with tenure who were losing in their positions. There were people, you know, who were losing all kinds of positions that they thought were secure. And so the only, for me, the only kind of security that has ever really felt like security was being in charge of what I'm doing myself. Because I know that whatever happens, I can pivot. If I need to sell sun hats tomorrow, if I need to start selling toilet paper, I could put that on my website, like whatever I need to do to maintain, I can do that, right? Whereas you don't have the freedom to do that as much when you're working within another system. And so, you know, that was kind of the journey and the ways in which, you know, there was a, a sense of what I was going to do, but this actual, you know, landing exactly where I am, it, it really did choose me in that way. And, and it really was that moment of just deciding to um, take that gamble on myself and have that first um, place where I was earning six figures plus, right? It was the first time I'd ever done that. Um, being able to purchase a home and all of these types of things based on the work that I was doing for myself and that was not coming from anywhere else. And so that, you know, of course, once you begin to see that, that gives you the confidence to keep it going. And so, you know, at that point, I opened up a shop on my side. I started to sell books. I started to design T-shirts and mugs and other types of uh, merchandise and 
Uh, you know, I have some other things that I also do in the background because one of my favorite business coaches talks about how regardless of what your business is, you need to also have something else that's not attached to who you are just in case you get canceled, just in case anything happens and folks decide they don't want to rock with you no more. You got another stream of income that they don't even know is you. So I got some of those too, right? That work in the background. And so, you know, it was really just, um, yeah, like I said, taking that gamble on myself and really having a situation that pushed me into it, that where I got to the crossroads and it was like, okay, what are we about to do? Which way we're we about to go? And this is the way I chose to go. Oh, we just love the story. And I knew some of it, but I didn't know all the details of it. So I really appreciate you sharing that because so many of our listeners are coming at being Black and entrepreneurs from so many different angles, right? And you are such a wonderful example of you know, having an academic business and without having an academic post in uh, kind of more classical higher education. And I love these, you know, you kind of seize a moment, but what also felt like what was right for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I really knew even as I was doing my work, I really knew that I wanted to do this for us, right? I wanted to teach my people. I wanted to teach us and be able to talk how I want to talk, look how I want to look, pray before class if that's what I want to do. Like I really wanted a space that I controlled and I know that and that we control and that, you know, anytime you're in another person's space, which as as wonderful as academia can be and as as free as it is as a corporate space, it is still a corporate space and you still have to adhere to certain, um, you know, guidelines and things that are put in place by those in, in charge of that space. And so um, I knew on a level that that's really not where I wanted to be. And I really wanted the freedom. And I also wanted to have this be accessible, right? So even as I, you know, set my prices for my classes and things, I had people say, that's it. Like, you know, you could be charging this much or that much. And I said, I don't have to do that. I'm already making enough money charging what I'm charging. And this ensures that the people who I want to have access to this are able to have access to it. It's not about, you know, becoming rich. Of course, I would love that. That would be great. But that's not the goal. The goal is really to share this information and to be able to live comfortably. Like, I'm comfortable. I'm able to do what I want to do. I'm able to go where I want to go. I'm able to work from wherever I want to work from. And so as long as I have that, I'm good. And, you know, I'm able to stay within those uh, guidelines of my own values, which said, you know, I'm doing this for my people. And I really want to serve my people because that has always been something that has been um, incredibly important to me. Well, thank you for sharing so much about yourself, your journey and your business. Can you tell people where to find you to learn more about what you're doing and maybe to be a part of it? Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you again for, for inviting me. It's it's just uh, beautiful. And I really pray all the best for you all as you continue on your journey. Um, you are very welcome to connect with me at asheiray.com. That is A-S-E-I-R-E.com. That is where all the goodness happens. So my eBooks, merchandise, classes, all of those things can be accessed from there. And then adrsa.org is the or a website for my scholarly organization 
organization. So if you are a person who is um, a scholar of African spirituality, whether formally affiliated or independent, we welcome you to be a part of us and we welcome you to attend our conference that's coming up next month. Thank you so much. And uh, y'all find Funlayo out there. Get down with Ashe Iray. And we're just honored to have you with us today. This was a real Thank joy. Listeners, uh, don't let this be the last time that you engage with Funlayo. Get on over there to Ashe Iray and let it enrich you and uh, let it inspire you as you continue moving about the development of your own entrepreneurial dreams. Ashe, Ashe, thank you, ladies. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takia. We do this podcast because we want to serve and support Black academic women's entrepreneurial dreams. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We read every one, and this will help others to find the show. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, go to blackademicbraintrust.com, where you can join our amazing community and get our free resource on the 12 questions you should ask yourself before becoming a Blackademic entrepreneur. Our mission is to nurture your entrepreneurial dreams within and beyond the academy and build a business that both sustains and offers you freedom. We look forward to you finding and joining us at blackademicbraintrust.com. Because we want you to win. Mm-hmm.